I've made the executive decision this year to do Star Wars Day, and I have just made the executive decision, PA, to not do it next year. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, today, 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 uh, what, uh, what we've got going is that bread, bread, a rock, a rock, and a name tag is going to teach you all you need to know about the foundation of life. But first, we're going to play another little game. This is going to be a game called, when you see the image, yell the first thing that comes to mind, okay? That's a little game. That's a little game we've got. So uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you see this image, image number one, and go. Apple. No, what, I mean, yes, apple. But I mean, what comes to mind? All right, all right, all right, all right. Image number two, go. Well, Okay. Image number three. All right. PA. Yeah, good. Yeah. So we have branding. We have brands all over the place. We have branding. Companies spend good money to be the number one brand, number one image that you think of when you think of a particular uh, product. All branding is based on three principles. One, provision. What do they provide you? Two, purity. Purity. The brand is based on purity. Whatever they say they are, whoever they say they are, do, do, do their actions match up with that? And if they don't, you kind of step back from that. But if they do, you lean in. Third, third, purpose. Every brand has a purpose. And that purpose comes back to provision. If they fulfill those three, you will provide them with money for their service or product. Every brand, every brand has those three things at its core. This series that we're looking at, the new, new management series, we're looking at the seven churches in Revelation. It really is about Jesus branding his church. Jesus teaching his church about his brand. When you see in the Bible, in the name of Jesus or in the name of God, that really is in the brand of God. That's what that means. And so Jesus at its core, at his core, his brand is purity. And he's teaching the seven churches what, what his, the, his purity looks like, the purity that he earned on behalf of us and have, and have now given that to us. Every one of these seven is about that. But especially, especially these two weeks, this week and next week, is really about branding, about Jesus branding his church. This week is kind of like that guy, kind of like that guy that, that gets a new job, goes to that new job, but ir- wears the old polo for the old job. One or two things are going to happen. You'll get a new polo or you get a new job. One of the two. Because why? Old habits die hard. The church of Pergamon, we see that old habits die hard. Let's take a look at the church of Pergamon. Revelation 2, 12. You can follow along. We're going to have the verse up on the screen. Evernote, or not Evernote, that's what I use. Uh, a Bible app, Bible app. We have an event in the Bible app. Also, you, you know, hard band Bible. You can open that up. Revelation, not too hard. Go to the end. You'll find it. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. You're like, wait a minute, this is quite the city here. If Jesus is saying this is where Satan's throne is and this is Satan's city, that's quite the city. What is this talking about? A couple of things. One, 
Out of all the seven uh, cities that, that we see in Revelation, this one city has more false God temples in it than any other. And the society and the economy is, is, is tied to these false God, God temples. The second concept coming from this Satan's throne thing is that, uh, that Rome, Rome, they would send governors out to the different, different uh, uh, provinces of their kingdom. And this province, Asia Minor, what we know of today as modern-day Turkey, Pergamum was where the governor lived. And the governor had a sword. And it was symbolized that when he brought his sword down on you, you were cut off from society. So those two concepts go into Satan's city and the, where, where, where Satan's throne is. And Jesus is telling the, the, the church, look, 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 you have done well. Even though you live where Satan's throne is, you still have taken on my name. You still consider yourselves Christian. You still are saying that you are a Christian. You still gather and worship and you still worship me. Even though even it's gone to the point where you have had somebody be martyred for the cause, but you haven't backed off. Well done. Good job. But then he goes on and says, but I have something against you. We didn't see this in the church last week, but we saw that two weeks ago. And if the boss of Jesus has something against you, you need to, your ears kind of need to perk up, right? I have these few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. You're like, well... What's going on here? Remember, old habits die hard. They were used to going to the temple, going to the temple festivals, and participating in all the worship aspects of the temple festivals. But now, now that they're Christians, they're, they're, they're afraid that if they didn't participate, they'd be cut off from society. They'd be cut off from the economy. They'd be cut off from their job and their ability to make money. This, at its core, is about provision. How will I be provided for? And so imagine this, imagine this. A guy was, uh, go, goes up to the temple to participate in a festival. He's sitting there with his work buddies, eating a steak that just was sacrificed at the temple. But then a temple prostitute walks up and starts soliciting them because that is how they worshiped then in the false god temples. And here he is sitting at the table going, if I don't go with her, will they fire me from my job? Now, <clears throat> Most of us don't deal daily with, you know, worshiping with prostitutes, okay? Only know one here that's been solicited. He passed the test, by the way. He passed the test, so, so it's, it's, it's all good. So we don't deal with that. So you're like, ah, that's not me. I don't have to deal with that, so that's not me. It doesn't, no, 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 no. We still whore ourselves out in other ways for provision. How? Well, you ever felt the twinge? When you sit down for the tax return time, you fudge that number right there and you could either get more in the return or pay less taxes. Talking about provision, right? How about the provision of sex? Lust, porn? I've got to provide for myself here. How about you've got that test? In that class, man, if you don't, you don't get a good grade on this test, like, mm, 
I might fail the class. Ever felt that twinge to cheat, provide for yourself there? How about, how about, how about that promotion's up for that job? Ever felt that twinge to smooth and brow nose and, and, and embellish yourself in order to get that promotion? See, at its core, all of those are about provision. At its core. And provision, if we provide for ourselves, if we walk away and, and say, I've got to provide for myself here, it impacts our purity. See, the thing is, is that we've all felt that twinge. You're like, how dare you talk about something I deal with? We've all felt the twinge, and we've all followed the twinge, haven't we? And let's, let's, let's take this a step further. Every hero of faith in the Bible has followed the twinge to provide for himself. We've written into the, to the small group material about how Abraham did that. We've all followed that twinge. We've all had that morning after feeling. I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just did that. But see, that, that purity impacts our purpose, doesn't it? Because we then begin to start labeling ourselves. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fill in the blank. Our purity impacts our purpose because we see ourselves as our sin. And then we say, there's, there's no other way. It impacts our provision because our, pure, our purpose impacts our provision because, because there's no other way. It's who we are. And it's this death cycle that just doesn't stop. And you don't know how to get out of it. Because old habits die hard, right? Well, let's see what Jesus says about this. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. When you feel that twinge, when you say, man, I've gone too far here, the cue that Jesus wants you to have is repent. Repent. Now, some of you are like, I'm used to that word. Last, I left church because of that word, you know, old-time religion and hellfire and brimstone, you know. Repent, uh, for the Lord uh, is going to come against you, uh, right? And you're like, Ugh. I didn't want any part of that. Look, 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 look. Repent isn't a hellfire and brimstone word. It's a grace word. It's a grace word. See, Jesus, when he tells us to repent, it's him telling us, I don't expect you to be sinless. It's him telling us, I have earned your purity for you. It's him telling us, you don't have to earn your purity. It's him telling us, I am gifting you the purity that I earned for you. It's him telling us all those things. It's a grace word. Here's some things that you need to know about repentance. First of all, that sin is a big deal. Now, we don't, we don't make a big deal of sinning. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But sin is a big deal. What does Jesus say? I'm going to come with you, to you with a sword that's coming out of my mouth. You think the governor's got a sword? Let him try that trick. Let him bring that sword out of his mouth. You think the governor will cut you off if you don't do this thing? Well, guess what? I will come and I will cut off sin. Parents, you know this. You've said this sometime. I say it every week, probably about 50 times a week. 
you stop it or I will. You stop it or I will. You choose. One's going to be easier than the other. This is what Jesus is saying. You stop it or I will. Because see, he does, he's going to use his sword against sin. And if we are caught up in that, he will come and war against those who are in their sin. But repentance is a grace word. See, it's confession with action. If you've been here longer than a week, you've heard this. Con uh, 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 repentance is confession with action. Confession is, God, my sin's a big deal. I want it to stop. That's confession. Action is, let's say there's a stumbling block in your way. Let's say there's a tree blocking the road that you want to drive on. How do you move the tree? If you're Superman, you move the tree. If you're not PA, how do you move it? You get a chainsaw, you cut it up, right? You get it into movable pieces. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, 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 look. At, it's confession, repentance is confession with action. I am going to cut up the stumbling block. I'm going to cut up the tree into movable pieces. Will you move it? Will you move it? To put it another way, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, Burn the nudies. Burn the nudies. What is it? What, what sin is it in your life that's got you wrapped up? That Jesus is saying, I've cut, up, I've cut it up into movable pieces. Are you going to move it? Maybe literally with lust and porn, it is burn the nudies. If you're old school. If you're new school, get rid of the iPad. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's go get your taxes prepared by somebody else. Because you know you can't, you will fill in that blank wrong. Maybe it's study for the test instead of do the Christian teenager thing. Don't study and then pray. Maybe it's actually study. What's the movable action? See, God, God's, God's promise that He'll make it movable for us. That twinge, that temptation, that sin, He will cut it up to make it movable for us. But repentance is confession with action. How much of a big deal is our sin? And then third, third, third thing we need to know about repentance. Don't make promises you can't keep. Look, we've all said it, right? We've all said it. God, I will never do this again. I'll never do this again. And every time we say it, probably later that day, what did we end up saying? Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Britney Spears is more of a theologian than any of us know, right? Oops, I did it again. If, if, if we make promises we can't keep, we will say, oops, I did it again. What's deep down inside with that promise? We believe God's grace isn't unlimited. We believe God's grace is limited. We believe that at some point in time that he will say, this is your last chance at repentance. But grace wouldn't be grace if it was limited. Facebook that. Grace wouldn't be grace if it was limited. Don't make promises you can't keep. God knows when your heart is broken. God knows when you want 
truly different action. But you know what? God also knows that you live on planet earth, the mixture of heaven and hell. And God knows that you have twinges. And God knows that you will follow those twinges at some point in time or another. That's why repentance is a grace word. He doesn't say get better. He doesn't say ignore it. He doesn't say earn your purity and prove it to me. He just says repent. Grace is God's abundance and our abundant need. And in this context, God's grace is God's abundance in our sin. And there's always repentance available for everybody. Don't make promises you can't keep because God's grace is unlimited. Unlimited. God wants us, when we feel that twinge, when, we, when, we've, we, when we've done that and said, ah, he wants the cue of repentance. Why? Because there's a reward waiting. There's a reward waiting. See, the death wheel, the death cycle, he wants to cut that up. It's not about don't eat meat and don't have sex. He wants to cut up that cycle, but provision purity, provision, purity, and purpose are the are desires that God has put inside of us. And he wants to give us a life cycle with those three at its foundation. So what does that look like? Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. In our vernacular, hear and follow. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. I don't really like that in heaven there. It's true, but it's not something for the future. We'll get into that. And I will give to each other a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Bread, rock, and a name tag. Everything we need to know about the foundation of our life. God said there's, there's hidden manna. There's hidden provision. There's hidden provision. You're like, wait a minute, is this some sort of cosmic hide and seek or cosmic scavenger hunt? No. But the hidden manna is only seen if we have faith. And we can come to church the, all of our life and not see the hidden manna. Sometimes we've got to walk 500 miles to find it by faith, but we will always see the hidden manna by faith and it will bring life and it will bring joy. Let's go to the easy one, sex. God said there's a hidden manna that I want you to have. It'll bring joy, it'll bring life. I want to provide it for you inside of the marriage context. See, the deal is, is that there's no morning after with God's purity. No morning after, ever. That's the reward that he wants to give you for having faith. There's a hidden manna. There's a hidden provision waiting. And you'll get to find the joy of finding that hidden provision if you hear and follow him. 
There's a white stone. White is always a symbol of purity. And a stone is, 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 is tied back to the Old Testament where they would set up rocks when an extraordinary God would intersect their ordinary life and they didn't stay the same. They would set up a rock as commemoration to what God did in their life. And really what Jesus is saying is, I have given you my purity that I earned. So commemorate that. Celebrate that. Put a rock there so that there's something you can look to and say, God has intersected my life. Baptism is such, is such a rock of saying, God has intersected my life and I will never be the same. And I can look back to that ceremony to say, He earned the purity and He's given it to me. He has a provision. And that impacts our purity. There's never a morning after. And that purity impacts our purpose. I will give you a new name. A brand new purpose, a brand new identity in Christ. See, our identity on the death cycle is all about ourselves and all about providing our own lusts. The life cycle is about a purpose that, has, that is kingdom-minded and about others. And we saw that with the, with the church of Ephesus a couple of weeks ago of, of loving others and having a passion for others. And that's our purpose now. But see, God wants our purpose, our kingdom purpose, to impact our provision. He wants to use your kingdom purpose to provide for you. You're like, I'm not going to be a pastor. No, but that doesn't mean you don't have a calling. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a kingdom calling. And God wants to use that to provide for you. Some of you are awesome at sales, at, at teaching, at interacting with kids, students, adults, whatever. You have a calling. And God wants to use that to impact your purpose. And this life cycle is the cycle that God created us to live. At the very foundation, God's given us to this. It's not about don't ha eat meat and don't have sex. It's about finding the life cycle that God has given to us. Those of you that are non-fans, just checking this thing out, not quite sure about the Jesus thing. We want you to find the boss that saves you. We want you to find the boss that loves you. We want you to find the boss that freed you from your sins through faith and to find his salvation. And if you're tired of the death cycle, there's going to be people in the back of the room that have had those same twinges but has repent, have repented and will simply want you to find the same exact thing. And for those of us, the salvation thing is covered. Start working on your homework this week. The prayer is simple. God, give me the faith to follow you for your provision. To follow you for your hidden provision. Give me the faith to follow you for your hidden provision. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for the hidden provision in faith. I pray, Lord, that we... Seek after the reward that you want to give. I just pray, Lord, that you will do a mighty work in people's lives so that they can see how you will never leave our life the same. And we can find the joy and the life in following you. Put it in our hearts. Break us over our sins so that it becomes a big deal and that we find the refreshment and the life in you.
your name we pray. Amen.